Commence primary ignition. This is where the fun begins. What's up, all of you Ugnaughts and Jawas out there? And welcome back to a new episode of Mando Talk. I'm your host, as always, Caleb Keller. And I've got to admit, I have dropped the ball on doing a breakdown review reaction of Andor Episode 6, titled The Eye. So that's what we're going to do on this solo episode of Mando Talk. I've got these notes that I've prepared as I was watching the episode, and I want to just discuss it with you guys. I want to discuss it with our podcast listeners, and by the way, this one is a podcast exclusive. This is not on the YouTube channel. I wanted to show some love to our diehard, day one, dedicated podcast listeners. I see you. I hear you. I know you guys are out there, and I greatly appreciate your day one, since day one, support. So here's a little bit of a thank you. We're on the eve of episode seven, so there's a good chance that here in a couple of days, I'm going to hopefully drop my episode seven breakdown, review, and reaction. So you're going to probably get a double dose of me in these next few days, but I wanted to do two separate podcast episodes for these two episodes, episode six, the one that I'm needing to catch up on this, but also episode seven, because I want to give both of them, you know, some some room to breathe, if you will. I didn't want to try to rush through episode six to get to the episode seven, so you'll have two separate podcast recordings to check out for and or episode six and episode seven. So, I wanted to go ahead and say that because, you know, stick around, subscribe, rate, whatever you got to do to make sure that Mando Talk, the podcast, stays in your podcast feeds. That way you can check out my episode seven review reaction and breakdown. So let's go ahead and get into it. Episode six, like I've already mentioned, is titled The Eye. We begin on Aldani, where Nemec can't sleep in preparation for the mission and shares information on his manifesto. I believe he alludes to having an entry title about Cassian with the title of the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. I thought that when he said this that that was the overall title for his manifesto, but after a second watch, I feel like it was more so just an entry regarding Cassian since he's kind of a mercenary. That might be how Nemec views Cassian, so that's what I'm thinking with that one. Cassian still isn't fully committed to an idea of a rebellion, but also isn't happy with the Empire because they don't care enough to learn because they don't have to since the little people mean nothing to them. Cassian says, you'll sleep when it's done. That's his little therapeutic response to Nemec. Our boy Cassian's always being stone cold, straight-faced. All right, we're still on Aldani. And by the way, we we spend all of this episode on Aldani until we get to the very end. So I'll quit repeating on Aldani or still on Aldani. Just assume that we're all 
on Aldani until I tell you otherwise. So the Imperial Engineer has made it to Aldani and is being informed the current situation of the Donny people by J-Hold. Now, there was a ton of information dropped here. In my notes, I got down what I caught. Uh, let me know what you think of this conversation and let me know if I missed anything. The Empire has been there for 12 years on Aldani. They do enough to make it look like they care for the citizens without having any meaning behind it. Gorn shares that there was 15,000 at once, then 500 citizens, but now only about 60 on Aldani coming to see the eye. This is the last time the Empire plans to allow them there to view the eye in the Sacred Valley. They've created an Enterprise viewing zone, and the commander expects a perfect evening. So a lot of Imperial character or I guess galactical building here as far as what the Empire's doing on different locations. They're treating the civilians to make the civilians think that they're on their side. They're just barely doing enough to make it feel like they care about the citizens without actually caring for the citizens at all. And they're obviously beginning to impact the daily lives of people. And we're getting to see a look at that here on Aldani, which is great for me. I mean, I hate it for the characters, but it's great as a Star Wars viewer, as a fan, to see the Empire in this light. Building all these small things are meaningful. They're very impactful as far as the galaxy that we see by the time that A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi displays. All of this stuff is meaningful for that. All right, Terramin was pre it's revealed that Terramin was previously a stormtrooper. The group is disguised as troopers while Val and Cinta are hiding in rocks as the civil as the citizens arrive. They are using Echo One and Valley One as call signs. I love that. Jay holds homestead. We get yet again another crappy husband verbally just bashing his wife and child. Don't like Jay Hold in the slightest. We're not supposed to like Jay Hold, but there's an update on his character. Back out, you know, with all the citizens and everything going down, Gorn welcomes the citizens to the location. And my question that I have here, and I haven't quite answered this question personally, is do the Donnies know that Gorn used to love a Donnie? If that makes sense. Like, are they aware of his relationship that he had with one of their own? If they are, then I have a feeling that they view Gorn with respect, potentially. But I also think that they make a, a slight comment to him about how he hasn't, like, committed to the Donnie people or something like that. If I'm recalling correctly, I may be recalling the Donnie's talking to a different Imperial officer. But that's a question that I had was, were those Donnie's aware of Gorn's prior relationship. Regardless, they're not aware of what Gorn's intentions are in this evening, so that's just something to keep in mind. Squad 3 is to oversee the Commandant and his family, which Squad 3 is Cassian and the boys. Vel and Senta are diving to go to the base, which is really cool. Reminded me of Phantom Menace. Anytime we have an underwater swimming opportunity to show in Star Wars, it always takes me back to Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks, which is fantastic. I know DJ Foster would love that one. That's my co-host, by the way, if you're new here. Uh, we get together for a month. We get together once a month, do a big, massive podcast recording. So if you're new here, you'll hear from him soon. Let's see... 
The engineer's name is Pedigar. I finally realized that about halfway through the episode. I think it was mentioned earlier, but there's something of note. The Commandant and the Donnies exchange peace offerings, while Vel and Senta are now in position. The Commandant grants the gift of their absence, and they leave the Donnies. Now, when they leave, the Donnies just straight up burn that peace offering. And by the way... The leader for the Donnies looks very much so, I believe this is his name, Brian Cranston or, or Cranton, something like that. He's the lead actor in Breaking Bad. That's who that guy reminds me of. I know it's not the same guy, but definitely the same look. That's the same brooding, frown, constantly frowning, grumpy look. It just definitely gave me those vibes. Anyway, the crew, again, when I say the crew, I'm referring to Cassian. Cassian and the boys that are with him. The crew draws rifles on the J-Hold family. Senta shoots the engineer, Pedigar. Tamarin and Cassian take J-Hold to the payroll while the rest of the crew hold the family hostage. The controls have been overridden. J-Hold appears to commit to being complicit. And then everyone leaves the J-Hold family except Sinto, which is going to be very important by the time we get to the end of this episode. So basically, the mission is in motion, and the action begins to take off. The crew makes it to the payroll and the transport. The crew gets the Imperials to load the payload onto the transport, and Sinta decides to cut the lights. I think that the Empire is starting to get an understanding of what's going on, so Sinta's trying to do something to prevent that understanding from clicking. And it's just, she's basically just trying to slow the Imperials down. So an Imperial squad is making its way to the vault as the eye continues to get more stunning with green and blue glows beaming through the sky. Now that reminds me of another big takeaway that I had. I believe it was episode 3 of Andor where they had the beat of the warning call, the warning sign of the citizens on Ferrix. They were hitting those objects to to kind of give the episode a beat. I felt like in this episode, the comets, the flying objects through the sky that were starting this eye, and basically the, the eye overall is kind of like our pacing object, if you will, throughout this episode. So I again, I love that directorial decision here to use that eye as a pacing device but also a very stunning device. This is by far one of, if not the most stunning episodes of Star Wars television that we've ever had. By far, in my opinion. Gorn, next up in the episode, Gorn makes his reveal that he's part of this mission, which, of course, the Commandant is not a fan of. We get a look at the Alzeki Air Base, which has a naval fleet that's getting ready to launch. So I'm assuming this is on the same planet, I think. Uh, yes, it is, because we can see the, the bluish hue, the greenish hue of the eye occurring in the background. So that was cool. It was cool to see the, you know, the Thai pilots hopping in in those ties and taking off again. I think I've, I've said it on the show. I know I've said it on the show before hearing the roar of a tie fighter, top tier star Wars sound top tier for sure. The Imperial squad makes it to the payload and guns begin blazing as the commandant passes out. Cassian takes on an Imperial attack him as he's preparing to launch. Terramin is shot. Nemec saves Cassian. Terramin is left behind and, 
and the Imperial Navy launches. I believe while all of this happened, and this is something that I missed, and this is something that I had a side conversation with Zach Horvath on, in which he was a guest on our last podcast episode, so go back and check that out. We do a deep dive into all things Andor so far, and also Andor Episode 5, but he pointed out to me a side conversation that somewhere in here, Gorn gets killed. And I've watched it twice now, and I've completely missed Gorn getting killed, so maybe I need to watch it a third time to see Lieutenant Gorn meet his end. But I missed it. I completely missed Gorn getting getting killed, and it, it didn't even make my notes. So I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out as I was thinking of it, because I, I did see Terraman get shot. I did not see Gorn, so maybe I need a third, fourth, or fifth watching, and I'll gladly take it, because man, this episode was great. Cassian takes off and Nemec is pinned by the payroll and can't feel his legs and we get this really cool moment where Cassian's flying into the eye and Nemec begins giving instructions to climb and dive and Cassian just goes for it he trusts Nemec but it reminded me of K2SO R.I.P. K2SO eventually in Rogue One where he says to Jin and Cassian both to climb before he dies so a great parallel and a great callback to Rogue One there. The TIE Fighters are destroyed by the eye. You know, Cassian is definitely a better pilot than those Imperials. Are we really surprised? Imperials can't shoot. They can't aim. They can't fly. They can't do anything. Really, at this point, why is the Empire trusting these? Why did they not continue the idea of clones is beyond me. Because they never get the job done, unfortunately for them. But it's great for us. So, Senta is left behind as everyone is now watching the eye on the planet surface and that's our last shot of Senta and I'm really concerned for her really concerned for Senta because I believe she's the only one of our crew left unless Gorn is somehow still alive unless Zack is wrong I don't think he is though unless Gorn is still somehow around he he's not going to make it long because everybody knows that he was part of this mission now but Senta's basically on her own at this point, very concerned with how she's going to get off planet or if she's going to get off planet. Vel wants to leave Anemic behind because he is dying, but there's a doctor that they can travel to. So Vel is definitely wanting to just get this mission over with, get on to, I'm assuming, Coruscant and to deliver this payroll. But uh, Cassian and Skeen are not having it at all. So they get to this location, which I'm unsure of what this location is. I do not believe it to be the planet of Aldani because that would just be silly, in my opinion, on their part to stay on that planet. They would want to get out of there as quick as possible. There's this doctor that was really cool, in my opinion. I know the name is in the captions, but I completely, completely missed it as far as typing it down. That works on Nemec. Skeen reveals that there is approximately 80 million in the transport, and this is where we get our big heel turn. Skeen offers Cassian an option to leave and split the payroll between the two. Skeen is an absolute snake. We thought last week that his brother had passed, that his brother was killed by the Empire. No, excuse me. No, 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 no. Let me repeat that. I believe we are alluded to that Skeen's brother kills himself in response to the Empire taking over his life. But regardless, we're given this story from Skeen about his motives of why he's on this mission, and we just get a total 180 here. 
where he's just saying, and I got this quote here. He says, me against everybody else. 40 million is enough for me to forget about you. And then he answers Cassian's question about if he has a brother. And he says, I don't have a brother. And at this point, Cassian is perplexed, I'm assuming. And he straight up kills Skeen. Great moment, but yet again, another body that Cassian has had to kill. Nemec does not survive, which was sad, very sad. I really liked Nemec. I felt like he was a great dude, great guy. Vale doesn't believe that Cassian had to kill Skeen because he was wanting to go out on his own. Vale is just not trusting Cassian regarding the whole Skeen situation. Cassian gives the Kyber to Vel to return to Luthen, so I'm 1,000% that Vel is going to Coruscant. Maybe in Episode 7, we'll see. Legit, as I'm recording this, we'll see in 24 hours, but maybe as you're hearing this, you already know. But again, I'll be doing an Episode 7 podcast episode, so again, stick around for that. It's coming in a couple of days. And then Vel gives Nemix manifesto to Cassian, and I'm sure that's going to be used moving forward as well for Cassian's character. And maybe that document is what motivates Cassian to get back involved because he's currently off on his own. He can make his own decision at this point. But I think that manifesto is going to be an important plot device, a plot use to get Cassian back in the mix with Luthen, with Mon Mothma, with Vel, maybe he goes to Coruscant, who knows, but I can't wait to see. So we do officially leave Aldani, we leave this unknown location, and we go to Coruscant, where Portuguese gives homework to the ISB officers, and Mon Mothma is in the Senator session that we've gotten so many trailer moments of, so many pre-release shots of, so it was shorter than I was hoping for, maybe we're not done in that room, because I, I would kind of be bummed if, I, if I'm being honest. I was really looking forward to be back in, back, being back in there. I know we were in there for about, what, 30 seconds? So it's good, but, you know, just give me some more. The prequel in me wants some more of that for sure. But they show these two things to show the Empire's response to this rebel act that happens on Aldani. We see in the senatorial session that all of these senators are beginning to flee. They're looking at screens. They're hearing the news. And then we go to Luthen's antique shop where someone asks for something from Aldani because news is spreading regarding a rebel attack. And Luthen laughs. Luthen has his moment where he realizes that the mission was successful as far as getting the payroll, that this idea of a rebel alliance, I don't think we're to the point where we can call it an alliance, but this idea of rebellion is now spreading throughout the galaxy, and that is such a huge moment for the Star Wars franchise. All of this rebel stuff that we've seen throughout our lives as fans of this franchise, this is where it starts. It all begins with this one mission, and now the seeds of rebellion are going to run deep. It's going to spread throughout the galaxy. News is going to travel fast, and that's how all of this starts. And now that they've got this $80 million, that's what funds the entire thing. So all of this stuff is extremely important in this galaxy far, far away. And it's finally giving just this deep dive into these massive, you would think small moments, but they're not small moments. 
we think that the movies are the are the really big moments, but this what you would consider a small moment is how all of this stuff eventually starts. And I'm geeking out here. I just I love the fact that we're getting this Andor series to dive deep into these this small cell of a rebel alliance brewing, but it's eventually just going to grow exponentially and get to the point that we get to in Return of the Jedi. It's so exciting. It's great storytelling that we're getting, but that does admittedly naturally bring me to something that is a conversation piece online as of late, and that is the fact that that Andor is simply not being watched. Currently, the numbers show that Andor is the least watched, the least engaging, the least trending Star Wars live-action series to date. Now, we are comparing that to The Mandalorian Season 1, which was Star Wars' first attempt at a television show, so that had a lot riding on it, we're comparing that to The Mandalorian Season 2 that has cameo after cameo after cameo all leading up to Luke freaking Skywalker. We're comparing that to a legacy character series of The Book of Boba Fett. And we're comparing that to one of the top tier legacy characters of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It, I think you can probably tell with how I'm saying this. Quite frankly, the numbers... This is one time where, and I'm usually a numbers guy, I talk about how Obi-Wan Kenobi, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, all this stuff is the most watched series on air right now. And I'm usually talking about that. You And again, this is a podcast exclusive episode, so I know all of our day one diehard listeners are listening to this. You know that I'm a numbers guy. I like bringing that stuff up. Quite frankly, in my opinion, though, with this Andor series, it doesn't matter, baby. This is a great storytelling show. Lucasfilm knows that. And quite frankly, I think this might be the one time where Lucasfilm is not necessarily too concerned with what the numbers are, are telling them. Obviously, that's important for them. I get that. Obviously, it is. But Andor has so much competition right now. You've got this massive franchise called Marvel releasing She-Hulk, a beloved comic book character finally coming to life. It's bringing Daredevil back into play as well. It's competing with Game of Thrones House of the Dragon, a return to a show that, quite frankly, if it wasn't for Game of Thrones, I don't know if Disney Plus would, quite frankly, exist Game of Thrones really created this idea of a streaming war, in my opinion at least. It's comparing to a return back to Middle Earth with Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. It's having to compete with that. There's so much going against Andor, but yet there are so many film and television series critics that rank Andor at the top of the list. And if not, at least number two compared to those other things. So, quite frankly, I'm not necessarily worried about numbers this go-around. I think the acting's phenomenal, the storytelling is phenomenal, and a season two is highly warranted. And I do believe, we're only halfway through this thing, baby. We're halfway through. I do believe there's going to be something that happens in the back half, if not the finale, that announces to the entire world, Hey, Andor Season 1 is fantastic, and get ready for Season 2 because it's going to be even better. I highly expect that to come. It's Tony Gilroy, it's Star Wars, it's Lucasfilm. At this point, they've 
they've shown that they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing when it comes to this show. Fantastic stuff across the board. Anyway, there's a mini rant. I know this is an episode six breakdown, spoiler review, spoiler discussion, reaction. But I had to mention that because that has definitely been so far, admittedly, that's been the number one discussion discussion point of this show is how many people are actually watching it, not actually the content itself, which is sad, but understandable because so many people out there do care about numbers. But us as Star Wars fans, I know that we love we care about content and we love that content. And right now I'm absolutely loving Andor. But you tell you tell me what you think of Andor. Hop on over to Twitter at Mando Talk and uh let me know in DMs or reply to a tweet. Just tweet at me at Mando Talk on that platform. Let me know what you think of Andor as a whole, Andor episode six. As far as an overall feeling of this episode, I feel like I've alluded to it, but Andor episode six, in my opinion, has been the best episode yet. This whole three-episode block storytelling, it's very similar to animation, but I love it. The prior two episodes that built up to this moment pay off, and that's what makes this episode so great. But yes, episode six, visually, storytelling, action, all of it has been the best that this show has done so far. I can't wait for episode seven. It's legit, as I'm recording, just hours away. And like I said, two days from now, probably, I'm assuming two days from now, I'm going to try to get the podcast episode out by Friday uh, for episode seven. You'll hear my thoughts on that. You'll get a breakdown. It's about this length since it's solo. It's about half the time around the 30-minute mark. So hopefully it's easily digestible. I'm running through the episode, giving my breakdown, giving my reaction as I go. And hopefully you enjoy this content. If you do like subscribe, rate, do all those things on, again, this is a podcast exclusive, so do all those things on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. We're on all of them. Just search Mando Talk. You'll find us. And I've also, a little update here, I've also on our podcast platforms, I've included the subtitle Mando Talk, a Star Wars podcast, just to make sure that those people that just go onto those platforms to search Star Wars podcast that maybe it will pop up. So hopefully that works. Hopefully that brings some some new people on board to listen to us. But yeah, let me know what you think at Mando Talk on Twitter. Also, DJ Foster controls our Facebook page. Check out Mando Talk on there. Me and him both mess with the Instagram page at Mando Talk on there. So we're at Mando Talk everywhere, baby. Check us out. Follow us on those platforms if you want some more. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. Andor Episode 6, fantastic episode, and I hope Andor Episode 7 brings the works as well, and I'm sure it will. I have absolute confidence and absolute faith. Maybe it won't be as intense, but it's going to be great. And here at Mando Talk, we'll be here to review it and cover it. All right, let me get out of here. I am so sorry for this breakdown being several days late. Honestly, at this point, I would consider it being a week late but if you've made it this far in the episode thank you so much and i can't wait to speak to you guys again and speak to me that's my favorite part speak to me on all of those social platforms that i mentioned i want to hear what you guys think more so than me sharing what i think if i'm being quite honest all right let me get out of here i hope to see you on the next episode and as always we have spoken.